know, truth doesn't get an awful lot of respect these days. You know, it's always been that way to uh, a certain extent in the religious world. I mean, when you got a, I don't know how many different uh, religious groups there are now that, that uh, claim to be Christian, but when they all teach something different, you know they have to have a, uh, a pretty flexible view of truth. Uh, and it, it was kind of interesting to me occasionally when I was uh, talking to some of my coworkers back years ago, and I would ask them what particular uh, group they belonged to. And if they said, uh, you know, well, I go to a, a missionary Baptist church, I said, well, how many different kinds of Baptists are there? Well, you know, you've got free will Baptist, missionary Baptist, you've got primitive Baptist, and this, that, and the other. I don't know how many of them there are now. But I would always ask them, I said, well, you know, does that mean since you're different groups, you all teach something slightly different, right? Right. Who's right? Well, well, we like to think that we are, so that means the other ones are wrong. Well, now we wouldn't go so far as to say that. But if you're teaching one thing and they're teaching something else, you know, one of you can be right and the other one can be wrong, or possibly you could both be wrong, but you can't both be right. And people are really, really uncomfortable when you start putting things in, in terms like that. They don't really like to think <clears throat> that there is an objective truth, something that is true for everybody, everywhere, all the time. They don't like to think about that. You know, you have your truth, I'll have my truth, and we'll just agree to disagree and go on our merry way, and nobody's going to throw stones at anybody else. Well, that's all well and good, but, you know, if, if your ultimate destiny, your eternal destiny, depends on the truth, you might want to look for it. You know, and uh, re religious organizations have always had this flexible view of truth have had for years and years and years, but it has become more and more of a secular thing as well. And I don't get out much. I tend to kind of want to stay around my own place, tend to my own knitting, you know, do my own thing. If somebody needs me, they know where to find me. Uh, so I don't get out much. I don't see a lot. And most of the time, I'm quite happy to be that way. Uh, but occasionally, that can be a little bit of a shock to your system when you do finally get out and you start to see some of these things that are going on and you're, when did that happen? And there are a lot of things that are going on now <clears throat> that if somebody had told me 30 years ago that this was going to be the case, I would have laughed at them. You're crazy. There's nothing like that ever going to happen in this country. People are not that stupid. Well, guess what? Yes, they are. There, there, there is a guy who is a, a real... He, he has a real gift uh, for observing people and kind of looking at the things that they do and why they do them. And he had a, a couple of different things that he would say about people in general that were all kind of related. Uh, and I've, I've remembered those because I thought, wow, you know, he, he really knows people. He's able to look at them and see what their motivations are and things like that. And he said, you know, first of all, people are stupid. They will believe anything that they hope is true or that they are afraid is true. And he's right about that. I mean, we have just loads and loads of people these days that believe things simply because they want them to be that way. 
you know, like one uh, relatively famous uh, uh, physicist who said not too terribly long ago that he could wake up in the morning and that he could decide he was male, and then that evening when he went to bed, he could decide that he was female. Well, he may know a lot about physics, but he knows nothing about biology because that doesn't happen. And it doesn't matter how much you want it to be that way, it will not. And that is one of the really bad things about wanting things to be true. Because sooner or later, cold, hard truth will rear its head, and when it does, you will lose. When wishful thinking collides with truth, truth always wins. And the farther out this desire of yours is, the thing that you want to be true, the worse it's going to be for you when truth does show its head. And there are a lot of people like that. And it's just, you know, how can you have your head that twisted around that you at least claim to believe these things? And I have yet to come up with an answer to that one. I don't know. Now, it's true that there are a lot of different ways that we can go astray when it comes to uh, believing and knowing the truth. And that, that's about anything, whether you're talking about religious things or whether you're talking about something else. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. There are different ways that we can go astray when it comes to truth. And one of them is because we haven't bothered to look into things. Now, I know this one from, from personal experience. There were things that I had heard all my life and I suddenly got confronted with the fact that they were not true. And when you, when you have that happen to you, it's a very, very uncomfortable thing to, to have happen. You know, somebody tells you, you know, this thing that, that you believe, that's not right. Well, now, who are you to tell me if it's right or not? You know, who made you the boss? Who, how can you say that? Well, this is why. And then they give you the facts. And then you're, boy, do I look stupid. I've never bothered to check this. I've never had any reason to check and see if this was true or not. I just said it because I've always heard it, and then this guy just slapped me across the face with the fact that I was absolutely wrong. It's a really uncomfortable feeling. If you've never experienced it, just wait. Sooner or later, it gets us all. And there's another way that, that we can be led astray, and that is when we have someone that we believe to be an authority figure who tells us, that something is true. Now, when you start thinking about it in that way, uh, the vast majority of people who claim to be religious fall into that category. They listen to the preacher or the Bible class teacher and whatever they say must be so. Well, you know, we, we pay them to study this stuff and then come back out and tell us about it, so they must be telling us the truth, right? And they believe it. Well, the problem is, is that sometimes they're not right either. And that can be for a variety of reasons. You know, sometimes people will lie to you on purpose. None of us likes to think that people are going to do that, especially when you're talking about in, in a uh, religious background. But sometimes people will tell us things that are just not so. And they do it on purpose. Now, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And one of the things that he says is that the people who are doing this, the ones that are doing the, the false teaching, 
they're going to be held accountable for that. And that would, I mean, how can they read something like this and then not be scared to death about the things that they've been telling people? You know, in, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul says in verse 20, he tells them how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. I kept back nothing that was helpful. In other words, he told them everything they needed to know, whether they wanted to know it or not. And see, therein is a, a problem because that you have at times, and you, you can see how they would come, uh, come to this, uh, but they, preachers think, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good job. And if the elders tell me not to preach on a certain subject, you know, if I just avoid that one, you know, I'm teaching the truth on everything. I'm just not teaching on that subject. <clears throat> you know, that, that's not going to be a big deal, right? Because if I teach on that subject, they're going to fire me and I can't do any more good in this congregation. And not only that, I've got car payments to make. I've got a house payment to make. I've got kids to put through college. You know, it's not that big a deal just to avoid one little subject. Paul said it is. He kept back nothing that was helpful. And now later on <clears throat> in verse 26, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now how did he say that? You know, why? He is innocent of the blood of all men. Well, he says, For I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now if you look at that statement in reverse, if he doesn't declare to them the whole counsel of God, then he is partly responsible for what's going to happen to them. He will no longer be innocent of the blood of all men. If you lead people astray, then you are partly responsible for them being lost. Now, that doesn't mean that they can say, well, it's not my fault. He's the one that told me this. They can't put all of the blame on the one that's telling, telling them the wrong thing. You know, in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 14, Jesus is talking about the blind leading the blind. And what does he say is going to happen to them? They're all going to fall in the ditch. The blind leader is going to be responsible for leading other people astray, but the blind followers are going to be responsible for not checking up on the blind leader to see if he's telling them the truth or not. Because there are times, sometimes people will, will lie to you on purpose. Sometimes they can be mistaken. They may have the absolute best motives in the whole wide world. But they're wrong. How do you know? How do you know if they're wrong or not? Or sometimes they may tell you something and it just doesn't come out exactly the way they intended it to. And I know this too from personal experience. I've had it happen. You say something, you had this in mind, but that's what came out of your mouth. And then somebody comes up later and says, hey, wait a second. Did you mean that? Did I mean what? What you said. Did I say that? Yes, you did. I did not mean that one little bit. No, I'm sorry. Let me back up and correct this. That's not what I meant to say at all. But you need to correct it. People can be wrong because they made a mistake. They can be wrong because they just happened to say the wrong thing. But you're responsible for figuring out whether they're telling you the truth or not. One of the biggest problems that we have in the Lord's Church today is we have a uh, membership that is not as educated as they should be. Sometimes that is the fault 
of the elders. They haven't been pushing an education program like they ought to. Generally speaking, though, it's going to fall right in the lap of the people who are not doing the studying that they ought to have been doing when they were at home. You know, it's like a lot of other things. We tend to want to pay somebody to do our work for us. People in this country are really, really bad for that. You know, we don't want to have to trouble ourselves with that, so we'll pay you and you take care of it. We'd a whole lot rather spend our money than spend our time or effort. But if you're not learning things, it may be the fault of the people that are trying to do the teaching, but if that be the case, you need to start learning it on your own because God still will hold you accountable for that. You need to look into it. And how do you know if the preacher's telling you the truth? You know, he may honestly be mistaken. He may not know any better. But you need to know better so that when he says something, you can say, wait a second, that's not right. And then you can go and talk to him about it. Say, look, is this what you actually meant when you said that? Well, yeah, that's what I meant. You do realize that's wrong, don't you? Well, I don't think it's wrong. Well, let me show you where it says it. And then you teach him something. That's what we as Christians ought to do. You know, if, if you want to find one of the absolute best examples that you can find in Scripture, it's over in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul has been preaching in Thessalonica. The Jews there are not taking it well. They don't like to have somebody come in and tell them that they're wrong about things, and so they basically start a riot. Paul is sent to Berea, and in verse 10, there in Acts chapter 17, it says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So Paul comes in and he begins to preach something to them that they have never heard before. Now he's using their scriptures to prove his point, and they're willing to listen. We've never heard this before. We don't know if you're right or not, but we will listen to you. And then after you get through talking, we're going to go to the scriptures and we're going to check and see if you're right or not. Is there a better example than that? They listened, and then they went to see if they were being told the truth. And because they did that, verse 12 says, therefore, because of the things that they had done, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Because they followed that pattern, we're going to listen to what you say, but then we're going to go to the scriptures, and we're going to check and see if you're right. Because they did that, they said, yeah, he is right. I heard somebody say that just not too terribly long ago, and I thought, you know, that's one of the few sensible people I've, I've seen uh, on television lately. Uh, the guy was talking about, he, he had had a disagreement with somebody else, and it was one of those, it, it, you know, they weren't getting mad at each other or anything like that, but they didn't agree. And he said, you know, when I, when I would disagree with him, oftentimes I would find that he was the one that was right, not me. He said, and even when I was pretty sure I was right, I would go back and re-examine the reasons why I thought I was right. And I thought, wow, now that, that guy has got it together. He's doing things the right way. You know, even if you think you're right, what does it hurt to go back and re-examine the reasons why you think you're right? If you're right, you just reinforced it. If you're wrong, you found out something that you needed to know. 
Because if you're wrong, you need to know it. We don't like it, but we have to know it. You know, one of the great things that uh, probably is about as big a problem as we have these days is the fact that nobody really believes that truth has value. You know, when you have politicians who stand up and say, you know, we choose truth over facts, you know, when they say that publicly, that means they don't think anybody's going to call them on that. And that is not a very good commentary on society as a whole. If you look over in Isaiah chapter 59, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14, he says, Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. It has just fallen in the street, like somebody would throw away a Coke can or a candy wrapper. Truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Sounds like he's talking about today, doesn't it? If you depart from evil, you make yourself a prey. In other words, a prey animal. People are going to be after you. You have set yourself up as a target. And that happens quite often these days. Somebody that, that, that has, has the courage to come out and say, look, this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. I mean, they, they get just absolutely massacred in, in, the, uh, in public. Nobody wants to have anything to do with them. They're scared to death to talk to them because they don't want people to think they agree. You know, people that know the truth have got to start saying, yes, we, we know the truth and we're going to proclaim the truth. You know, in, in John 18, in verse 37, Jesus tells Pilate, he says that I came that I should bear witness to the truth. That was his job. And then Pilate, like a lot of other people today, said, what is truth? You know, well, you've got your truth, I've got my truth, we'll just agree to disagree. That it doesn't work that way. When, when, when Paul was talking uh, to the Jews about the Gentiles, and, and the book of Romans is, is a lot like that. You have Paul talking about how bad the Gentiles are because that's the way the Jews looked at Gentiles. But then later on, he says, well, you Jews shouldn't be pointing a finger because you're just as bad as they are. But he does say there in Romans chapter 1, in verse 18, he says there are people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And see, that is the most dangerous kind of person. That's the most dangerous kind of attitude when it comes to truth. Somebody who knows that it's true, but they don't want to believe it. They're going to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 22, he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. That sounds a lot like people today. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie, verse 25. They were doing this deliberately. They knew God, but they didn't want to honor him as God. They would rather worship the creature than the creator. But they knew the truth. And see, that, that is one of the biggest problems that we have is sometimes we know what's right. Somewhere way back in the back of our mind, we know what's right, but we don't want to do it. We want to do something else. I am perfectly happy doing what I'm doing right now, and I don't want anybody to trouble me with the idea that what I'm doing might be wrong. 
that this is not acceptable to God, that I'm going to have to pay for this someday. And so they try to just, you know, keep it in the background. Now, that's one of those things. If, you, if you're thinking about something and then all of a sudden you decide, no, I don't want to think about that anymore, that is the first clue you're going to get that you need to go back and examine that really closely because your subconscious is saying, I don't want to look at that. Your conscious needs to say, we're going to look at it anyway. It's kind of like a guy said one time, he said, if, if you're stuck between two decisions, you don't know which one to do, he said, flip a coin and say, if, I, if it's heads, I'm going to do this one. If it's tails, I'm going to do that one. And he said, and if it turns up something and you immediately think, okay, I'm going to do two out of three, you just told yourself which one you wanted to do. But you need, if, if you start thinking, I don't want to think about that. that. That's making me uncomfortable. I just really don't want to think about it. You need to think about it. You need to think about it hard because it's telling you you've got a problem. And when it comes to religious truth, this is one of those things I have never understood. I don't see how people do this. I really, really don't. And I think if I ever understood it, it would worry me a lot. But uh, I have seen people that are supposed to be religious people writing uh, religious articles. And they'll say sometimes, well, we don't have to listen to anything that the Apostle Paul writes because he wasn't Jesus. He was just this Jewish man, and he was writing from a Jewish background, and he's just writing about his own opinions, his own biases, his own bigotry, so just ignore everything he says. Just listen to Jesus. And then somebody brought up one time what Jesus said in, in uh, John 14, 6. And he said, well, no, you don't have to listen to that either because that's only in one gospel. In other words, don't listen to anything that doesn't agree with what I think. It's exactly what he was doing. How can you say, and, and he did this once. He said, you know, well, people all, all the time are saying that I don't believe the Bible. Well, I absolutely believe the Bible. I believe that it's not the word of God. I believe that one of the biggest problems Christians have is trying to convince people that they need to be Christians and not leaving them alone. I think those are the big problems, you know, as long as Christians go and say that the, that the Bible is inerrant, that it's perfect, that it's the Word of God, we're going to be pushing people away. You know, we don't need to do that. You know, I do believe the verses that I use to preach from this Sunday, I believe those are the Word of God. Well, how do you come to that conclusion? Because what he's doing is, is as long as God agrees with me, it's right, it's true. But if God doesn't agree with me, then it's wrong, it's not true. And how can somebody not know that that's what they're doing? And they go blissfully on their way and act like there's no problem at all. I don't understand that. And like I said, I understand how, how people can be wrong about things. Sometimes it's just because of what we've heard all our lives. Sometimes it's because somebody else that we think is an authority figure has told us so. And sometimes it's because that's what we want to believe. That's what we want to do. But we need to step back sometimes and say, you know, if you think about a cost-benefit analysis, things will cost you a certain amount and you will receive a certain benefit. And that's a good thing to do because that way you don't end up wasting your time or your money or your effort on something that's really not going to pay off. But if you start applying that, spiritually speaking, you can spend a lot of your time 
gathering things that are of no real benefit, that are temporary in nature, and most of them are not going to do you a whole lot of good anyway. You can waste all your time and effort on that, or you can spend your time and effort on things that will do you good in this life, and they are of eternal benefit. But people generally don't tend to think about it that far. Some people say truth does not matter in religion. Jesus said differently. John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You cannot be free from sin without a knowledge of the truth. You can't. And that's why a lot of people don't like that. Again, you know, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, singular. No man goes to the Father except through me. There was a council of churches back some years ago that got together and they decided that we did not need to be preaching a singular Savior. In other words, we can't say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to agree that some of these other religions have got their, their own saviors, their own messiahs, their own teachers, and that they are just as valid, just as important as Jesus was. That's not true. Jesus said it's not. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's why Jesus prayed, John 17, 17. God's word is true. It tells you what you need to know, whether you like it, or not and it's the whole truth everything that we need now there are a lot of things that are, that are nice to know but everything that we really need to know from a, a, a an eternal perspective is found in God's Word that's it right there you know there are a lot of people that'll say things like well you know the uh, the Bible has been corrupted it's been copied so many times you know, it's, it's not at all the same. You know, well, the, the only people that say that are the people that have never actually looked into the subject. Because if they looked into the subject, they would know that is not true. The Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, has, has more evidence for it being as close as, as possible to its original form. It, it has more evidence than any other ancient work of literature you want to look at far and away there's no comparison so people that say well it's it's been corrupted by copyist errors and, and things like that no it hasn't we have you know if, if God can inspire men to write what he wants them to write can he not safeguard the passage of that down through time you know that's not a very good God if he can make you write the stuff that he wants you to write but then he can't safeguard it and keep it in 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 its whole complete form for other people to see it is what it is it is the word of God man cannot or shall not live by bread alone but by every word every word that proceeds from the mouth of God that's what Jesus told Satan when he was trying to tempt him every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God you know the Bible is so I, I had the uh, uh, chance to go to uh, Russia years ago uh, there's no way in the world I would even attempt it these days. But I had the opportunity to go, and it was kind of an interesting thing to me that you could go into 
a, uh, a university in Moscow and you could teach Bible in Russia, but you couldn't do it in the United States. You know, that just was really a strange thing. But I had somebody ask me one time in a class, they said, you know what, we're, we're tired of hearing all this Bible stuff. We want to hear something else. So, well, what do you want to hear? Well, we want to hear something that, that's useful for us. I said, well, the Bible stuff is useful for you, too. We don't want to hear all that stuff. I said, well, you know, do, do you want to learn how that you ought to deal with other people? Well, yeah, that's a good thing. I said, well, okay, let's go to the book of Ephesians. And I said, you start going down through there. God tells you how to deal with other people. How are parents supposed to act toward their children? God tells you. How are uh, a wife and a husband supposed to react toward each other? God tells you. How are the children supposed to react toward their parents? God tells you. How does an employer treat his employees? God tells you. Employees to the employer? God tells you. God tells you everything you need to know. It's all there. How we treat other people, what we're supposed to do in this life in order to be able to appreciate the next life. You know, over in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, the, uh, the Apostle Paul is looking at the end of his life, and as any good man would want to do, he is trying to pass on some, some last nuggets of wisdom before he's not able to do that anymore. And he's doing that for Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if you look at some of the nuances of the language, what you have essentially, all that is scripture. That's what he's saying. All that is scripture is given by inspiration. It is literally God-breathed. That's what the word inspiration means. This comes directly from the mouth of God. God didn't give them the thought and let them put it in their own words. God told them exactly what he wanted them to say, word for word. All scripture has been God-breathed, and it is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is that which must be taught. We teach scripture for reproof, telling people, you know, you might not want to do that anymore. That's a bad thing. For correction, you're not doing it right. You need to do it this way instead. For instruction in righteousness. How do I be a righteous person? If I want to be a righteous person, I pick up the Bible, and it will tell me what I need to do or not do, which is oftentimes even more important. But that's what it does. Scripture does that. It is God's truth. You know, we, we do a lot of things that we really shouldn't do. And it's, it's not the mistake that's the problem oftentimes. It's what we do after the mistake that's the problem. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does things, you know, whether it's a big one, whether it's a little one, whether anybody else knows about it or not. We all do it. But what do we do about it afterwards? Do we try to learn something from it so we don't do it again? Or do we try to cover it up so that nobody knows I did it? You know, a lot of the time people say, well, you know, what I'm doing is not really all that bad. 
you know, you look at some of the things that these other people are doing. You know, what they're doing is, is worse than anything I'm doing. I'm not that bad. Or, well, you know, okay, so it's not the best thing in the world to do, but I'll fix it. You know, I'm going to enjoy doing this for a while, but then eventually, you know, before I die, before it becomes an eternal problem, I'll fix it. Well, if you're thinking that way, you are liable to be in for a serious surprise because you don't know what a day may bring forth. You know, if, if, if you find yourself making mistakes, you need to stop them as soon as possible. If you think, well, I'm going to keep on with this one for a while, you, that may be the, all the time you have left. In James chapter 2, James is talking to some people who think that little sins don't matter. And he tells them, yes, they do. He's talking to people who are showing partiality for rich people, but they are looking down on the poor people. And he says, verse 8 of James chapter 2, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. He's not saying that God is just trying to find reasons to condemn us. What he's doing is he's talking to people who think they can get away with little sins. And he's saying, no, you can't. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Little things do matter. And we can't tell ourselves otherwise. You know, buy the truth and do not sell it. Some of the best advice you'll ever get. And I wish it had originated with me, but it didn't. But truth is the one thing that you can hold on to and know that it's not going to change. Everything else does. Standards of morality, you know, what people like, what people don't like. You know, everything changes. God's truth doesn't. And we are responsible for learning it, for believing it, and for obeying it. It may be that there's someone here this evening that's not a child of God. If that be the case... You could come forward confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and you could be baptized, have your sins washed away. If you're an erring child of God, you need to go to God in prayer, confess the sin to him from a repentant heart, and ask him to forgive you, and he's promised to do that. Or it may be that there's someone here that just needs to come forward and ask for the prayers of those that are gathered here for some other reason. Whatever your need is, would you come forward and make it known while together we stand and sing?